Welcome back, humans. Since in my last episode, <clears throat> I talked a little bit about the burden of addiction and wanting to uh, assist those who are assisting those with addictions. And today, in this episode, I want to talk about praying for those with addictions because, quite frankly, it's not a rare occurrence anymore. Everybody knows somebody who suffers with an addiction, whether it's to a chemical substance or it's to a behavior or it's to whatever. There, there are many different types of addiction. But there's hope, as always. We know that. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe that he has risen from the dead. There's always hope. And there's this nice little book that I picked up at a church a couple years ago. I was visiting a church in Maryland. And they had uh, some books in the vestibule or narthex area. And so I picked up this book, attracted my attention. It's called Praying for Those with Addictions. And it's written by a woman named Ann Costa or Costa, C-O-S-T-A, and C-O-S-T-A. And the subtitle of this book is A Mission of Love, Mercy, and Hope. Now, what I really like about this book is that you can do it in a short period of time, or you can do it in a year's worth of time. Let me explain. There are 12 chapters in total, okay, and at the end of each chapter, there is a practice you can do for a whole, let me see, I think it's four weeks, let me find it here, yeah, there's week one, week two, week three, week four. So in each chapter, she explains a different aspect. And then at the end of the chapter, she gives you reflection points to do once a week. She gives you a scripture reflection and then some questions to ask yourself in a Lexio Divina type of way, in a, a studying and praying with scripture type of way. So you can do these 12 chapters and spending four weeks on each chapter, which would then be a year, would take you an entire year to get through this book. Or you can do it the way I did it when I first read it. I didn't want to take an entire year to get through it. So I would read the chapter and then I would just spend four days on the last few parts. I wouldn't do one a week, I would do one a day. So that's what I found very versatile about this book. If you want to spend an entire year, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. So, some of the chapters. I'll read some of the titles for you. Uh, the one that stands out the most is called Hitting the Wall. That's the second chapter. And it's basically about allowing the person who has the addiction to hit the wall, so to speak. And this woman, Ann Costa, experienced that in her own personal life with those around her who were uh, struggling with alcoholism. 
she discovered that you have to let them get to the point where they realize that they cannot continue on in this lifestyle. They have to make a change. And she calls it hitting the wall. And that was the one that stood out the most to me because there's some subtitles within this chapter that go like this. The first one says, you didn't cause it. The second one says, you can't control it. The third one says, you can't cure it. So some of the main points in this chapter is for the person who is watching their loved one or their friend or whoever it is who's struggling with addiction, you need to understand, she's saying, that you didn't cause the problem. You didn't cause the addiction. You can't control the addiction. And you can't cure the addiction. And one of the main themes throughout this whole book that Ann Costa talks about is how many people who love somebody who's struggling with adi- with an addiction will find themselves blaming themselves. You know, feeling like, especially parents will feel like, maybe if I had just been a better parent, maybe if I had just paid more attention to them or done this, that, or the other thing, then this never would have happened. And she says, that's not productive, that's not fruitful, and it's not healthy to blame yourself because the fact is you didn't cause it and you can't cure it. You didn't make this person develop an addiction and you can't stop them from continuing. You have to unburden yourself from that idea if you want to really help them. Because it says what what often happens when people get stuck in that kind of mindset like they they caused it and therefore they have the power to uh, reverse it says what often happens is you uh, you become an enabler seems counterintuitive to say that but that does often happen is that you you really just become an enabler because you can't let them hit the wall what a person has to do in order for them to overcome their addiction is they have to hit rock bottom. They have to realize that if they continue with this addiction, it will lead to nothing but destruction and isolation. They will be cut off from their family. They will be cut off from everything that is good and beautiful. And she said, when you take the burden onto yourself and believe that you can fix it just by by being there and by coddling them you become an enabler. You don't allow them, excuse me, to experience the full emptiness of that lifestyle because they just continue on thinking, well, you know, mom or dad or my friend or whoever it is, is always going to be there no matter how many times I run out on them, no matter how many things I steal from them, no matter how many times I bum money off of them, whatever it is they'll start to believe that it doesn't really matter because that person's always going to be there, you know, so I can just continue on with my addiction and it'll be perfectly fine because that person is always going to be there as a safety net and you can't do that. It hurts. It's counterintuitive to what you want to do for somebody you love, but she she explains in, in very humane and very encouraging terms that it's necessary. And I'll read a little section of that chapter to you now. This is where I had bookmarked it. 
This is under the section called You Can't Cure It. She says there has been an evolution in our understanding of addiction as an actual disease process that substantially alters and disrupts the normal chemistry and working of the brain. For example, we know that through PET scans that brain changes occur when cocaine addicts merely watch videos of people using cocaine. Such scans have found similar changes in dopamine receptors in the brains of drug addicts, compulsive gamblers, and overeaters who are obese. In fact, just about any deeply pleasurable activity, sex, eating, internet use, has the potential to become addictive and destructive for those who are susceptible to the disease of addiction. So there she affirms that, you may have heard this before, that it is a disease and that it's something that uh, a person can't just snap out of. And prior to that, in the, the paragraph above this, she says, before hitting that wall, we need to become aware of the many ways we try to control others. We do too much. We do too little. We give the silent treatment. We threaten. We complain. We get sick. We act helpless. We blame. We yell. We rage. We dominate. We withdraw. We ignore. We cajole and give lots of advice. We can also arrange, orchestrate, manipulate, and find solutions for other people's problems. We lie, cover up, and provide excuses, explanations, and rationalizations. We pretend nothing's wrong, or we're convinced everything's wrong. We deny, push, become a victim, play God, go bankrupt, give in, and give up a hundred times a day. And this is just the short list. And then she says, we can engage in these behaviors subtly or outrageously, but whatever we do, we do it because we nurture the false belief that what we do or don't do can make something else, someone else do what we want them to do or think they should do which is to stop the addictive behavior that is causing so much pain. But we can't. You can't control it. And then you can't cure it. You have to understand that it is a disease in their brain that they don't even have control over. And there's nothing that you can do or say that's going to make them just snap out of it. It's impossible. It's one of the, the main foundations. And then she goes on the rest of this chapter to talk about how the person has to will to get better. And the only way, she makes this very clear, the only way they're going to get to the point where they say, yes, I want to stop this, is by hitting the wall. Is by realizing that if they continue down this path, everyone they love is going to leave them. They're going to be isolated from these people. It sounds really sad, and it sounds like, oh my god, I don't want that for my brother or my son or my sister or my best friend. Nobody wants that for them. But the reality is, when you look at the fact that addiction is a disease in the brain, you then begin to understand that they have to recognize that it is a disease for themselves and that it is destroying their life. And when they recognize that, they will want to change it more often than not. That's not to say that there are some that will continue on no matter what. But it's more likely that once they recognize the destruction it's causing, that they will want to change it. And it's only when they want to change it that they will change it, that they'll cooperate with 
the help that is given them. They'll go through the detox and the rehab and the whole the whole deal and actually be able to recover. So just to recap, there's a great little book. It's called Praying for Those with Addictions. She's done a lot of research. She's There's a lot of truth in this book. And I do highly, highly recommend it. Because even just that little bit I gave you, everybody can recognize that this is true. If we really want to help those we love who are struggling with addiction, we have to let them realize the destruction it's causing. Because the only way that they're ever going to change is if they want to. And they're not going to want to so long as everything's hunky-dory. It makes sense when you think about it. But how does that, how does that fit in with what I said last week? Plain and simply because while we have to let them see the destruction that that life is causing, we also can't let them get so far into despair where they will never want to change, no matter how far the destruction goes. So that's what um, uh, charitable outreach to them, whether it's done by an organization or an individual, can help them to recognize and remember and keep before their eyes their dignity as a human person, while also not enabling them. That's the balance that we need to have. That's another thing I'm going to to make clear here, and it's also in this book, this praying with addic- with those praying for those with addictions. She talks about the very same thing that we can never deny their dignity as a person. But we have to let them realize that dignity on their own by seeing by seeing the the destruction that's that's happening around them because the reality is they won't see their dignity so long as we enable them. We're not we're not really respecting their their free will their the gift the greatest gift that has been given to them by god is their free will and we're not really respecting that when we just kind of jump in and say well i'm just going to do everything for you and it's all going to be perfectly fine and you can just live in my house and steal whatever you want until someday down the road you finally decide to get off the dope like that's not going to happen okay they have to experience the destruction and then want to change. And we're really loving them and respecting their dignity as a human being made in the image and likeness of God when we allow them to make that decision on their own. By their own free will, they say, I can't continue on this way and it needs to change. And then I'm going to stop it there. That's the message I have for you today. I will have a picture of this book as my little thumbnail for this episode. And I will put a link to where you can purchase this book. And I highly, highly recommend that you do purchase this book. Okay. May God bless all of us in our endeavor. And may God help us to recognize the dignity of each person and especially those who struggle with addiction 
so that they can finally realize the strength that they have in their free will to change it. <laughs>